Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Megan. Megan's back in the studio. I know. Did you feel like I abandoned you? No, it, but it has been almost an entire month. Three weeks. Since our last yeah, recording because together. spring break was two weekends. And then I went to see my mom, who, by the way, just in case any of you were following, did very well in her surgery. She's actually coming home today. So exciting to yes. hear that. Yeah. And then I got whatever... Um, this like plague is mm-hmm. in my lungs and so I'm even deeper than usual voice wise today which, which but is, I made it here and I have had my antibiotics so I will not contage you and we know that mama listens so prayers answered so glad that you're doing well we, Yay, we were thinking about you praying for you and the crime curious family is happy to know that you're on the mend so happy healing she will appreciate that and let's shake our Gregory, oh, my Gregory, friend for sure I got the raccoon penis I have bones. the kangaroo sack. Okay. Wes is particularly fond of that uh, kangaroo sack, I know. Sack, this feels way. more worn. Like it's been well-loved in my absence. <laughs> he he held it all of the episodes that oh, we recorded. It wasn't like he shook it and put it down. He like oh, continued no. to stroke this. He fondled it the entire recording. I wish yeah. I could say that this was surprising to me, but alas, it is not. <laughs> it is not. He wants one, I think, to take to work with him. So well, maybe we should find him one. <laughs> we, we definitely That's where he's going to keep his handcuff keys. <laughs> Hold on, let me reach down here to my sack. Let me get into my kangaroo scrotum sack. Like, um, I'll pass, right. and I object. <laughs> I object. I'm going to need my attorney. Oh, now I really want him to do it. Oh, yeah. So bad. Okay, my friend. I'm the so day, ready for this. The day is here. Okay. So just to give you all a little bit of a backstory, this case, um, 36 pages of notes. So this is going to be broken up. If you're not a Patreon, now is the time to join because you're going to want to get these parts right in a row. It's essentially This is a how you're going to spend your afternoon. This this absolutely is. Um I read 3 books to do this research. You know what that means? Yep, yep, deep deep diving, living in the ocean that is this disgusting man. Okay. Um, and I don't know that I've heard any other podcasts cover it. I, I, I did a quick search, didn't didn't see anything. Could be wrong. I mean, you know, search engines are finicky. They are. But, but you really just type in what his name is and mm-hmm. podcasts and something should come up if it, they titled it. Or. Yep. Um, it is a... A harrowing, disgusting. I've never brought you a more vile human being in every aspect of the word. We're talking head to toe. There is nothing endearing about this individual. And I'm not 
not usually, as a social worker, one to say that. Yeah. There's usually something kind well, that you can find. We often jump into childhoods and past oh. so that we can find something endearing or at least to show why maybe the person turned out how they did. Uh, sweetheart, I'm even going to start at conception with this man. Oh, wow. When I say deep so dive, graphic. I you mean, went real deep. I went r- real, real deep. She's like, I went to the moment of conception when Satan's sperm meant evil's egg. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, it was a wild ride. I recommend everyone wear their most supportive bra panties. Buckle oh no, up. I'm wearing a sports bra today. It's not a. It's not a good one either. It's like one of those comfy lacy ones. You're gonna that want the younger girls wear as a shirt, but I wear as a bra. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I those. Do know what you're talking about. Yeah. I figured you did. Yeah. You're gonna. You're gonna want to use your hands then that okay. God gave you to handle this bumpy ride. All right. Been working on palm and basketballs. It's oh good. Yeah. Good. It's uh, it's disgusting. This is all right. This is the story of the many cases. Not all of them will I be able to even draw to our attention because there are many, many more that we don't know about. Victims. Mm-hmm. Yep. Many, many cases. So that's why I kind of have to focus on uh, this. This murderer. Um, I don't love doing that all the time because it's like we're glorifying, but this is, this is one that I could go deep. Thanks to Dr. John E. Epsi, because he actually did a whole psychological profiling of this man. And he wrote three books um, about it. The trilogy is called Nathaniel Bar Jonah by Dr. E. Epsi. Great reads. Very wordy. I mean, each book is three, four hundred pages long. Oh my! He he went, he dove into this man's brain because it's there is like I said, there is nothing normal. You know what our society deems normal, right, or endearing about this human being from literally from time in the womb until he leaves this earth. That's the only thing I will give you is that when you're going through this and it's gross and you're horrified, he is no longer With roaming us. the 3D world. Okay? okay? So there is that. There's the hang and this on is to the that. Time we hope there is no reincarnation cuz if he comes back, we can at least hope it's as a mosquito or Listen, something. As as a, a spiritual person, I'm going to tell you that his soul is probably sitting somewhere in a dark room still going through life review and in needing lots of healing because I'm sorry, he's you haven't passed up. Satan psychological to come Correct. back yet. Yep. Yep. So it, it's I don't even think that that through the veil, they're going to let him reincarnate okay. for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, now, we're going to take you to Webster, Massachusetts, which in a very typical New England neighborhood, there was a little gabled house and a couple named Philip and Tyra Brown had two children, Robert, who went by Bob and Lois. Yep. Good old Bob Brown, right? And <laughs> Lois Brown, just very Americana. New England house. Um, I actually wrote in my notes, Robert, who went by Bob, and Lois, who went by Lois. I like it. <laughs> they were easy children. They didn't get into any trouble. And then Tyra discovered that she was pregnant with her third child when she was 41 years old. Okay. Right. Oops. Yep, yep. She had already been through it twice, so she knew what her body felt like when she was pregnant. Okay. But then she passed... What was described as like she started to bleed and she passed like a zygote. Okay. So she thought she miscarried. Yes. Yep. 
So she assumed that she had miscarried. Sure. And so therefore, when a few weeks after she passed this blood clot, essentially, she knew she was still pregnant. She's like, this is weird. Oh. I My body is still showing me all the signs. I know that I'm pregnant. And now I'm about to take you through a wild ride. Twins. That I learned it was twins. Yeah. Yes, it was twins. But this is the wild ride. Did you know, Megan, my dear friend, Megan, how they discovered if you were pregnant or not in the 1950s? Was this with the rabbits? You do know. I'm very smart. <laughs> I had never come across this knowledge. So then I, of course, had to verify that what I was reading wasn't actually just hullabaloo. We were not nice to rodents. We were not. No. If you guys don't know, what we would do was inject human urine into the nape of the neck of a rabbit. And then two days later, we would kill the rabbit and look at their ovaries. And if their ovaries and fallopian tubes were swollen, guess what? The human's pregnant. That's right. And the rabbit's dead. And and every time the (laughs) rabbit is dead. Every time. Whether you're pregnant or not, the rabbit is dead. Yes. So I'm sorry. I'm really good at Trivial Pursuit. Yep. Yep. And and they gave detail of like how you kill the rabbit. Correct. Don't. I'm not even going to go there. I don't think you need to. No. No. So congratulations. Rabbit's a... Fallopian tubes are swollen. Tyra, it's a bouncing baby, disgusting piece of human boy. All right. That's that's, that's what happens. They now, didn't say that because they didn't know. Correct. They didn't. They're just like, congratulations, you and the rabbit. Rabbit's dead. You're pregnant. Right. So at the end of the first trimester, um, Tyra got into a car accident when a vehicle slammed into the back of hers. And this was such a significant accident that she had to wear a neck brace the rest of her pregnancy. It, it was a strong impact, okay. all right? She, right from the get-go, was concerned that there was damage to the baby, but the doctor said that the baby's fine, strong heartbeat, all of the things that we, you know, could say in the 1950s with the technology that we had. And mom, at this point, who is not technological and in the 50s, is still like, I feel like there's intrauterine brain damage. Like, is my yeah. baby okay? Right, right. This feels wrong, Something right? Something doesn't mm-hmm. feel right. Yeah, the, I feel, I think to her, it felt wrong, since the moment that she passed, that zygote. Right. You know, um, she did say that her, this pregnancy was not at all like her others. The baby hardly moved at all, which gave her a lot of, of cause for concern. As it We're going to see this as a pattern throughout this child and then adult's life, by the way. Okay. Just think sloth. Okay. She gave birth to a sloth and not in the endearing cute way that sloths are. Right. Not like from the, the one um, movie there with no. the rabbit. The I can't Zootopia. Zo- thank you. No. no, definitely more like just the characteristic of I like to move slowly. Okay. Because I have no motivation for anything. All right. That's, that's where we're at. I'm picturing it. <sighs> oh, I'll, I'll be more descriptive. A human sloth. Descriptive. Don't you worry. By the early morning of February 15th, 1957, in Fairlawn Hospital in Worcester, Massachusetts, a bouncing 8.5-pound David Paul Brown was was born (laughs) onto Earth. Okay? Now, you may may say, Charnel, you just told me. A baby. You called a baby a spawn. Well, but no, no, I don't care about that (laughs) because later you're going to see why I called this thing a spawn. David, I, I said his name is David Paul Brown, but I told you that the name of Dr. Epsi's books are Nathaniel Bar Jonah, right. right? Well, that's because 
Later on in life, he changes his name. Okay. But I'm going to tell you right now, I am not entertaining that. He is not ever going to change in this episode to Nathaniel Nathaniel Bar Jonah because we don't care what this man wanted to be called. You're going to call him by his birth We're name. We're calling him his birth name like his mama intended. I like it. And we'll get to the reasons why he thought he was worthy of a Jewish name like Nathaniel Bar Jonah. Oh, God. And he's not. You're going to okay. bring me religion. You're going to bring I, me crazy. I feel it. I feel it coming. I'm ready. Okay. I'll bring you so much more than that, too. Okay. All right. Shock and awe, people. Get ready for the shock and awe. Uh, okay. So the birth did was not without complications. David was twisted in the birth canal, much like he is in the heart as well. And the doctor did get him out. And, and out he came. Interestingly enough, though, to Tyra, David... De- According to Tyra, David developed normally, but after realize after I read more of these books, I realized that my perception of normal and Tyra's are different as they can be. And I think that during her interviews with Doctor Epsi and and others, that perhaps she was a little biased because it's her baby boy, of right? Course. So she's like, "Ma, nothing." nothing notable except the fact that he had an insatiable appetite and he cried constantly. Okay. Um, the only way to calm his down was to feed him, which means from the beginning, like the very beginning, he began gaining weight and never stopped gaining weight because the only thing that would satisfy this child throughout and this, this human throughout his whole life was food. Oh, okay. Okay. And it started literally from birth. Okay. Um, and when I say he cried constantly, he didn't just tantrum. I'm meaning he screamed. He thrashed when he was picked up. So um, some babies that have attachment disorders, yes. when you pick them up, they arch backwards. They throw themselves. They want no contact. They want away from you. That is David Brown as a baby. Okay. Yeah, uh, my head's going right back to some type of intrauterine damage to this uh, child. Absolutely. It comes up. Don't worry. In the developmental world, this is, as I said, a, a sign of a detachment disorder. Sorry, I, I jump through. Sometimes I know my notes. So when yeah. I start reading them again, I've already said what, I, what I'm about to you read. You can but, repeat it. It'll stick then. Um, so medically, though, okay. So what I wrote was, in the developmental world, this is a sign of attachment disorder, but medically can indicate stomach asset, um, upset, acid reflux, those sorts of things. And if you combine it with the fact that he is constantly eating, all of these, this is a culmination, right, mm-hmm. of just general upset and discomfort. And in the 50s, they were just calling him a colicky baby. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that he had both acid reflux and attachment disorder. Oh, All right? I'm the, sure. They're coexisting. Um, he gained so much ex- weight from the excessive feeding that if he threw himself back too hard, it was too much for his petite mother to like to catch him and carry him. So as a result, he wasn't often held. Like he literally couldn't be, you know, held between... Um, how much he weighed between how do they know how big how big was he at like his first year you know how your baby's supposed to like triple their birth weight yeah we get to his weight in adulthood but I don't know uh, well actually even um 
more like adolescence. I know his weight, but his baby weight in these years, I do not know. Um, but I just do know his mom is petite. And with the way that he is having this attachment, a seemingly attachment disorder, and that he is not an active baby or toddler at all, he didn't have any interest in learning how to roll over and how to crawl and how to walk. (laughs) He was literally just a flesh that just wants to eat a flesh. I don't know why a I said flesh. it like that, but I'm just, just this, this. I've never heard you talk about a baby like this ever in no. my life, Sharna. Sorry. And I, and I typically wouldn't, but y'all of course will, not. you all will understand. And furthermore, this guy is so in my head because I had to do this research twice because this is the case. I know. You lost 30 the whole pa- thing. I lost 30 pages of notes and had to redo it when my computer crashed. So I'm over this man and and his story but um, so you have the baby flesh laying we there. do we have baby fleshling just laying there not wanting to do a whole lot and he's too big for his mom really to even hold so that creates more of an attachment disorder he's not bonding and attaching to anybody he's not being held he's not being and you know i'm not throwing shade at tyra like sh- i think she was probably doing the best that she could in the 1950s all right but um <laughs> This part is probably my most favorite thing ever. And it it shouldn't be like Megan. This, uh. However, his father wasn't bonded with him because he was super upset about how small his testicles were. I'm sorry. Dad was upset about how small the baby's testicles were? Yes, because it was a straight and they were unusually tiny. Okay. Um, and I think that dad took that as a straight hit to his own masculinity. Oh, I my mean, God. I mean, it is 1950s. My Men's son should egos. have much bigger marbles. They do know that when those babies are born, everything's swollen. They don't stay that size. Well, I don't even think for him they were swollen. They were very difficult to find. Oh, they were okay. Shockingly So he small. may have had some um, genital to warn you diagnoses. Too, if you read these books, there are pictures of adult David's genitals shit unsolicited dick pics when you turn the page and i was like dr epsi i'm not ready for such a thing Epsi, you didn't ask first you didn't no and there it (laughs) there it is now you understand why i want this man out of my head right like there's vivid images his head's in your head it oh (laughs) not even that that oh yeah her face right now it was it's so bad um okay let me move through that drama trigger thank you i have so many more questions now about somebody's this man's genitals are we gonna get to it later um like why are they undersized as an adult with these like super undersized testicles a hundred percent it does not help though that he ends up being nearly a 400 pound man Okay, and so that so you, you know couldn't find I mean? his beans anyway. No, like that's that's what the picture is such problematic because it's mostly was thigh. the phallus part normal? No, he no, had a micro penis. It's all small. Yes, he had a micro penis. Okay, I mean yeah, that's a legit a, diagnosis. Exactly. No shade there. It is a hundred percent a real thing. But the dad, this is why I, ho- I told the whole story, is because his dad nicknamed him BB Nuts. Oh, thanks, Dad. And so it is BB Nuts. BB Nuts Brown. That's what we're going to call him now. I just want to call him BB the rest of the time. As we can. As we can. He does David, horrific things. BB. So BB Nuts Brown it is. I all like right. It. And I don't even feel remotely sorry about it. Someday in my own soul's life review, uh, there's an angel up there that's going to say, <clears throat> We need to talk and, about and, this one podcast this you did. And you're going to be like, mm-hmm. You're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, 
so is old Beanie, is baby nuts here is he here now mm-hmm. like uh. does he need any help uh, yeah 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 so so baby nuts brown um the other problem megan is that he had hydrocephalacy so, also swelling on the brain yes he had a very very fluid. large it's excessive fluid yep spinal excessive spinal fluid on the brain so he had a very large and misshapen head which 1957 they guys do a shunt or no we're no, concerned had, about brain damage they had i'm so sorry to say this this is not my term this is society's term children like this were called waterheads yes and they really didn't do anything for it now correct i didn't they, dive into it, were there other areas in the country where they were treating this in 1957? Maybe. But in Massachusetts, where this family was at, there was no treatment. Okay. It was just like, oh, yep, he's a waterhead. And he was left to just, you know, be like a fleshy water baby on the floor. Okay. Okay. With small And testicles. usually there's huge cognitive impairments as a result. Yes. And yep. um, they don't, yep. sometimes they don't live very long. No, but that was not the case for him. Okay, so it was minor. It went away. Yep, it did. It did. His body did absorb the excessive okay. fluid, and he did survive that. Six When he was six months old, this is me still just telling you about his early, early childhood days, guys. I, I hear this. When he is six months old, he got an excessively high fever of 106. Shit, that's pretty high. That lasted for four days. Now, of course... That can cause death, but what can it also cause, Megan? Brain damage. Brain damage. So how many, if we're keeping score, how many possibilities of brain damage have we hit for this man? First of all, almost miscarried. Right. Right? Car accident. And we find out later he absorbed his twin in the womb. Oh, great. Okay. I I guess, okay, most of the twin other than some of the- Yep. Yes, uh, what spare, passed. Spare parts. <laughs> yep, exactly. So we have that. Then we have a car accident. So that's two. Yep. Then we have um, twisted in the birth canal and had to have the forceps and all of that to okay, be you know, so brought out. Okay, so there's a trauma. Yes, Three. exactly. Then we had uh, the hydrocephalacy. Right. Then we had, a, okay, lack of the physical capability of nurturing, right? Okay. With mom. And and we have this excessive high fever. So we have six relatively high either physical or... Or mental traumas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's... before six months that's old. That's a lot. That is e- extensive. Um, it was the title of this doctor's book, like, you know, Recipe for a Baby Serial Killer? I can't... The title... It's linked in the show notes. I cannot tell you the title because it will give away the lead that I'm burying. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I love it when you bury a lead. So... um. He was taken to the hospital with that excessive high fever. He was put in an ice bath for several days. Um, I I don't even know about that treatment. Yes. Uh, for a six-month-old. Yeah, I'm, they used to do that with high did. fevers, and now they tell you not to. Right, like my that's what child I, had a high fever, yeah. like 103. I called the doctor, and I was like, do I need to cool, him or cool her down? And the pediatrician's like, we don't do that anymore. You right, don't just right. go put her in a cold bath. That's actually shocking to their systems. Yeah. You can give her a bath, but just don't. But not a cold. No, right. he was put as a six-month-old baby in an ice bath for days, like on and off. So... Again, another trauma, right? Um, shortly after this fever issue, one of David's blue eyes had turned brown while the other remained blue. And oh. this 
Yep. This is one of the first signs of sh- uh, shimerism. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Um, I don't, I, that's how Google said it. So that's how I'm going to say it. If a mother is pregnant with twins and one twin is miscarried, then this is typical of the, um, essentially some of the fetus. This is where I say that some absorbed. of the fetus was absorbed. Mm-hmm. Or yep. at least genes or chromosomes because so you have two different color eyes. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's a very well known um, yeah, I've seen lots of people yep. and pets thing with yep. different colored eyes. There is ongoing speculation that an inflammatory response may occur in the brain, resulting in ongoing brain damage as a result of shimerism. Okay. So there's number seven, seven. roughly. Mm-hmm. All right. I actually wrote in my notes, have we lost count of how many things likely caused brain damage? <laughs> Nope, I guess we we haven't. We're keeping track. We're at seven. Eight is twim in the womb. Mom <laughs> gets a, in a car accident. He t- was twisted in the womb. Forceps were used. The, the hydrocephalusy, fever, all before he was six months old. Like, there there we are. Um, so by the time he was a year old, so about six months after the high fever, he became even more rigid when he was in arms with long-lasting tantrums and was impossible, described as impossible to comfort. It's like it's too painful to be touched. Yes. They can't stand being touched. Yep. His mom was a patient woman, but his father was much faster to anger and had no real chance to bond with him between feeling very disappointed and his baby nuts. Yep. And then with him being near possible to comfort, needless to say, Tyra said there were times when she would step in to ensure that Philip, her husband, did not take the discipline too far. You're on, disciplining on a six-month-old? Well, throughout his life, oh, okay. really. Yep, yep. Because this remains th- how he is. When when I'm saying he's difficult and he is screaming, tantruming, all of those things and excessively eating, this is literally from birth on. And it was very difficult for his father, who was a man of, of little patience, to be able to... And big testicles. A man of little patience and mm-hmm. big testicles. And apparently he was okay with the size of Bob's testicles. Good job, Bob. So, but he was he was very disappointed in I don't think this is uncommon truly in some Really? Um, Cuz I think it's families. weird. What I mean by that is I don't think that it's uncommon for men to take that as a direct um, reflection of their own ability to create a strong masculine man. Oh god, okay. Right? Like Oh, it's it's 1957. W- women were wearing pearls while they were vacuuming their freaking living room. I still rooms. do. And, and high heels. That is when you're role playing. That oh. isn't the expectation. <laughs> I forgot. Right. You're getting the two confused. Shut the cameras off. <laughs> so the other thing that was mentioned is that David was not an, an excessively tall man. So he's Oh roughly, God, he's got she, Napoleon um, system or yeah. Napoleon. Oh my God. Why is my brain not working? Well, you are on A Napoleon medication. complex. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, so in, in, I actually, I didn't mean to say David. I actually meant to say Philip hit the dad. Okay. I, so I said, small I said David, which who, who also was not excessively well, tall. Yeah. Because but his, you're going to get some things from your dad. Right. Maybe Philip, that was where his balls came from. Philip was about five, seven and he did feel inadequate around taller men. Um, so this did not help it. Okay. When he needed to establish dominance where he could like on David. Okay, Uh when David was misbehaving. Is he going to become the whipping boy? Well, they don't get into it a whole lot. Tyra did not in her interviews, Bob and Lois did not in their interviews indicate that there was physical, excessive physical abuse, but it is the 50s and 60s and force was recommended 
as a parenting technique sure. back then, right? Physical discipline was a, um, I mean, truly, if you weren't doing that, then you were just letting your kids run all over you, yeah, right? Those people so, let their kids run wild. Mm-hmm. Yep. They were feral children, I tell That's you. That's right. So Bob and um, Lois, these are the siblings, mm-hmm. and they did some interviews? They did. They okay. talked with Dr. Epsi as And in well. their opinion, mm-hmm. he was maybe a little overpunished? But there was definitely a, a favoritism of Bob and Lois to their father, Philip. Okay. And Tyra most definitely babied David. Okay. All right. She was more of the protector. Okay. And enabler. We're just going to say it, guys. I think you should. Enabler. Put it right out there. All right. Re- she's no longer with us either. But okay. Rest her soul. She was doing the best she could, but and she definitely just because enabled. you're an enabler and we mm-hmm. label you doesn't mean that you were a bad person. Right. It just means some of your behaviors may have led to some unintended consequences. Yes, was that fair? That was that was social worky. I like it. Oh mm-hmm. my god, thank you. Uh, so now we have a backdrop, right? We've oh, got I, the backdrop. I have We've a got bi- the I have scene. a picture. As you, I'm sure, can imagine, David had speech delays. He had cognitive issues. Um, this made it very difficult for his older siblings to communicate with him, especially with the way that he screamed and cried at the drop of a hat for absolutely no good reason. The other interesting thing, though, Megan, is that he was a pathological liar from the moment that he could talk. Okay. He was always stealing things from his siblings, especially Bob, and then he would lie and also, and this is where it's fascinating, manipulate to get his mom to believe him. Manipulation is so strong here. This guy has an overactive ego like I've never seen before. Even as an adolescent. Yes. So this coupled with his constant tantruming made it really difficult for his siblings to appropriately bond with him as well. Yeah. Because he's constantly manipulating their mother. They're like, my baby brother is a dick. Yeah. With yes, exactly. My People baby are like, brother. How can your four-year-old brother be a right. dick? They're like he is. He's he just an understand. asshole. He lies all the time. He what gets us he, in trouble. What he lacks in testicles, he makes up for in, in ego? mind ego. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of guys like that. Oh, weird. Huh. <laughs> what you lack in size, you make up for in ego. We should start a research project. All I right. mean, I could start a list. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll leave some of your last names out. <laughs> Men everywhere are like, fuck. Right. Did I wait, did I know Megan in college? Right. Shit. <laughs> so Bob said that he never really wanted a relationship with David because he was incredibly lazy, extremely selfish. He never bathed. And or, his mom didn't pay them. Well, I think it got to a point where she he was frankly too large. Because right. again, now I'm just picturing this 400 pound man being sponge bathed by his mom. <laughs> right. I am by sorry. His, I by am. his tiny mother. Right. Um, he didn't. So, you know, he didn't brush his teeth. He did not take care. I don't know why I said teeth like that. Teeth. I like it. <laughs> he didn't brush his teeth. Um, Have you been listening to our friends at Grits? I, actually, I did. <laughs> I listened to one this yeah. morning. <laughs> but... So they they did not take care, or he did not take care of his personal hygiene. He smelled, so smelling terrible, just picture all of this. On top of everything else that I've told you, he also smells god awful, like the fucking inside of Satan's anus, okay? Yep. So if I haven't given you enough, his baby teeth also rotted out of his head, which he did eat excessive sugar. And wasn't brushing his teeth, but this actually wasn't the reason why dentists said that his teeth rotted. Was it bottle rot? No. 
He had no teeth enamel. Oh, yeah, another physical weird oddness. Yep, he was born without enamel. um, And so he actually had a lot of sores in his mouth growing up, which made chewing and talking really painful and um, exaggerated his speech impairments as well. And yet intake of food was the most important to him. So he's eating even though it's causing pain. Yes, and... And I don't know, you know, maybe he ate softer foods, whatever, but he was still eating. Now, this is the only empathy that I will have for him in that that would be horrific. Oh and my so God, yeah. I will recognize that, that growing up with constant rotting and sores in your mouth would be, would be terrible. Mouth pain is the worst. It is. It really is. So there, I am human. I did throw a little bit so of empathy of in you. there. Um so he did go to the dentist. They took him. They tried to take care of this like right from the get-go. They took him to the dentist frequently. Um, and the problem with that is that the dental treatments were extremely painful as well. Yeah. So he has a lot of physical pain on top of everything else in his childhood. All right. Um, what they determined is that the born being born without the tooth enamel was actually a result of a medication that Tyra had to take during her pregnancy. Oh, is this one of those ones that can potentially cause birth defects? Um, well, we know that it, it didn't name the medication. Okay. And so I wasn't able to deep dive into what it could you know, do, but they do know that it does stop the development of enamel in a fetus if okay. taken when pregnant. And now, if it does that, I bet it does other of things. Of course, right. So what are we, up to number eight now yeah. or so? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. So what happens is Daddy Philip gets a job that took them away from Massachusetts for about six years. So they moved to Florida while he worked at McDonnell Douglas Aviation as a mechanic. Cool. His dad was very smart. Um, when he was just six years old, <sighs> David was attacked by a rabid dog in his backyard. Son of a bitch. This is a really unlucky human. Right. Right, I, like something happened in his previous life. Karma, that karma fucked is, him yes, from the beginning. He's he is, I guess, decided to uphold all of his karmic contracts in one lifetime. Okay, all right. I mean, I guess get them all out of the way, and, Satan. And he I, right, and I think he did. Satan's like, hey, hey, we've been working on this contract for like several lifetimes now. Pay up, bitch. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what's happening right now. Um, so he gets attacked by a rabid dog. He did, and his dad actually was the one to save him. Um, he saw, yeah, he saw it happening. And so his dad goes and, and hits this dog, uh, and gets the dog to run away, hit him with a shovel and yeah. got the dog to run away. But unfortunately this wasn't before the dog did damage to David's hands and back before, you know, he could, he could, um, fend the him dog off. off him. Yep. Um, the dog actually attacked a couple more kids and a police officer in the neighborhood that day as well. That's what we call a dangerous dog, it and they was, often have to be put to sleep. Yes, and, and it was rabbit. It did test positive for rabies. Oh, son of a bitch. Yes. So did he have to have yes, all did. those rabies? Oh, my yes, God. Yes, Another did. trauma. Those are awful. They are. At that time, they were in your belly button. There's a series of six rabies shots. In your tummy. Yep, that are, are put into your stomach, um, typically around the navel area. Um, and we now know... Because this was 1963, that the serum that was used in those rab- those series of rabies shots caused neurological side effects that can potentially cause damage to the frontal lobe. Trauma number nine. Uh, right. <laughs> oh, we should just title the episode that trauma number nine. I mean, I feel like I should break into some type of a trauma song. It, it's in the frontal lobe. If you guys are not aware, is 
in my opinion, arguably one of the most important parts of your brain. I mean, I think all of them are pretty important. They are, but, but in terms one, of decision making, like if and, we, yeah. yeah, if we really had to put it on a scale, this is your impulse control. This is your decision making. This is your right humanity. from wrong. Yeah, your empathy, your humanity. This, this is, is your the part human that makes you not great. So he gets attacked by a dog that results in something being given to him that's going to make him act more like a dog. Yes, that's just it. Our frontal lobe makes does separate us from animals, brain-wise. Yes, yes, not all. Some but, animals use their frontal lobes. We yes, got some really very smart well, monkeys right, out exactly. there, and also cats and, and dolphins. Yes, and, right. Mm -hmm. However, um, <laughs> so what the doctors noticed though is that he acted very odd when they were cleaning these wounds, Megan. He, they expected, they had to scrub, okay? I mean, these are, are rabies-infected wounds. They had to scrub with, like, essentially bristled brushes. Yes. It's 1963. Um, he was not freaking out. He wasn't crying while they were using those abrasive pads or at all when they stitched him. He watched the entire thing and even, like, and we'll see this later too, like got in the way because he kept touching it. And then like, mm, and here it comes. This is where I'm telling you, it's the most disgusting thing. Okay. Like if a little chunk of skin or something would fall off, he'd just go ahead and eat it. Oh, fuck me. Charnel. I'd love to, but it's not that kind of show. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have it all people. We have it all. Um, all right. So he's eating necrotic skin. He is. And at this time, he had so many scabs picker. and wounds that we discover that he actually really enjoys picking his scabs, eating them, he's picking the wound open, okay. sucking the blood. He yeah. is loving all nope, of this. Nope, that's a diagnosis. And that, that I've actually heard of. It, yes. it doesn't gross me out as much as the fact that he was actually doing it with live flesh while they were trying to clean oh, yeah. him. Yeah, no, he really, really likes that. And I that. think most of the people with those diagnoses do that kind of privately, quietly, like your, your pickers and yeah. stuff that nope. do that with skin. And yeah, no, he didn't. He wasn't private about this at all. As a matter of fact, my next sentence here is it disturbed people at school so much that Tyra got a phone call home and she tried taping gloves on him. She to stop him from doing this in school. Oh, well, that'll make him popular with duct taped gloves to his hands at school. And uh, right on top of the smell and and his obesity his, and, and his uh, um, no attitude. Teeth. He's a whore. He's a dick. I mean, right? he's not a nice kid a to liar. anyone. Right. Yes. Yep. No one can can attach and bond to this kid. OK. Trauma number 10. Ugh. And so I will tell you this years later. We find out that guards at the Montana State Prison where he ends up were always disturbed by the fact that every they would find him picking and eating his skin and he was essentially orgasming while doing it. Oh my God. I just had to take it to that real gross place. Yeah. My tummy hurts. I told you, strap in. Get <sighs> comfort items. Support yourselves because this is a horrific I'm case. myself. <laughs> uh, so... It was in Florida that David's first attempt at becoming a murderer happens. Really? Yeah, yeah, How when he's a he? kid. So they were in Florida for six years. Um, this was 1964, and he was born in 1957. Okay. So, so he's like seven years old? Yep, seven. Yep, he's seven years old. When five-year-old Mary, who was his neighbor, comes over to play, 
with him. Oh, and I did write it in my notes. Sorry. Seven-year-old David. Oh, I did math. You did? I'm so proud of you. Thank you. you. I was even right. Does your head hurt now? A little bit. Yeah, I thought maybe. So David takes her to the, takes Mary to the basement. Nope. And then sat on her. Okay. Because he is so large. So he uses his mass to, um, apprehend his to, victims to dominate he, he was does. dominating he her. does yep um he sat on her and he began strangling her now tyra heard weird noises from coming from the basement so she went down to check on them saw what he was doing and stopped him no david no uh-huh. he told his mother that she made him do it i hate when the bitches do that and that she grabbed that his was hands and put them around her own throat. Five-year-old Mary grabbed seven-year-old David's big sausage fingers and put them around her own throat and said, choke me. Because As at five, five and I'm seven? into BDSM. And how in the hell would he know about that at seven? No, right, right. So Tyra took Mary home, told her mother what happened, apologized. Mary's mother told Tyra that David had problems. And I quote, you know, when a dog is sick... They put it down. Oh, well, I, I wish I could disagree Ooh. with her because we're talking about a child here. but For sure, but we know we're, that we're he, using the he term was trying child to use, murder. <laughs> loosely, yeah, wow. Yep, yep. And, and, and the juvenile justice system wasn't the same back then as God, it is no. now. And I, I bet that, well, that was never reported. No, of course not. So law enforcement no. never looks into this. No. Now no, no, it no. would be. It would. And mm-hmm. as a parent of a child who does that, you are obligated to make that yes. report yes. otherwise you're going to get reported to child protective right. services your child needs help that's what that means correct so Philera, Philera, I, I combined their names that's just who they are now Philera. i like it Phil- kind of like brangelina <laughs> yes okay Philera, philip and tyra moved the family back to massachusetts just after this incident and knew that david was not a regular boy they knew he had a desire for violence and did not and did not act and behave like other children his age. It was a constant worry and struggle for them. Okay. So Tyra literally gave her life to every demand of this boy to ensure that David and everyone else was safe from him. So David went everywhere that she did. Okay. Now, this is not good. This isn't good for either of them. No, but she's trying um, at that point in the 60s. She's trying to safety plan. Yeah. She's safety planning. She is. And it's in the 60s and they haven't reported this. Has she taken him to be psychologically assessed as a child yet? No, no, no. But again, it's the 60s. Well, right. Accessing that resource would be few and far between. Yeah, it's not like they had a community mental health. No. So she, one day, he has to go to the grocery store with her every time that she's got to go buy groceries. Okay. They went into a store that I can, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's the 60s. So this is like um, a catch-all store. It's got a little bit of hardware. It's got some appliances. It's got groceries, it right? It's a five and dime. Yeah. Man. Like it's, it, it's that type of store. And there is a toilet. And David poops in the display toilet. <laughs> And they called her over the like loudspeaker. They know her. This is a small town. Yeah. They know her. They call for her. Tyra David, David's shitting in the toilet yep. at the store and the, again. Yep. Can you come clean it? All over it. He is laughing and laughing and just thinks it is the funniest fucking thing ever. They were never allowed back into that store. Weird. And then 
to make matters worse, he would get into the parking lot sometimes whenever she took him to the store and he would hide from her in the parking lot, like getting in and out of cars and hiding around cars. And he just thought it was the funniest thing. So can you imagine this mom no. like, having to deal with this day in and day out? No, she's um, so stressed. She's pulling her hair out. She's yeah. try- I think she's trying at this point. His tantrums, even at this age, would last hours. He demanded sugary foods, fatty foods. Um, and he was extremely large at this point in time and continued to oh, have candy. that insatiable appetite. I keep picturing Dudley from Harry Potter. Oh my God. You know what? Now that you say that, absolutely. That is a hundred percent. Um, it's not far really off. Um, right. that's, yeah, that's a good description. Good description. I just had this small gluttonous child who's just awful and yeah. horrible to people. Yeah. And, and it's just, none of it's help. You know, I would even venture to say the type of foods that he demanded and that they gave into is even another indication that candies and sugars and cakes yep, and yeah. Stunted the brain development, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, he would steal food from grocery stores when they went shopping, um, all without remorse. And Tyra would try to make him go back in and apologize, but he literally is a robot. He doesn't have a care in the world. Um, all he would do, he would literally go in, put the item back that she, you know, is forcing him to do, mutter his sorries, and then when they'd walk out, he'd grab another item. Oh yeah, I and see so that. it's just you know. Um, no remorse. Yep. So this leads Tyra to believe Tyra and Philip to believe that their son, he needed Jesus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jesus Jesus. is going to save him. Okay. All of his problems are that he doesn't have Jesus in his heart, which ordinarily probably not a bad thing, right? For uh, a normal child, neurotypical child. Okay. But what this does for David is make him think that he has a special relationship with God, which we all have a special relationship with God. Correct. That I am not but saying that. But he put his on a platform above others. And he is saying he is the chosen one to do God's work. Son of a bitch. And that's never good. Um, How long into, was this still in his early adolescence? Or yes. is he preteen? No, this is still 10, you know, 9, 10 years okay. old. 8, 9, 10. He is... is being taught Bible verses, he has to go to church, all this stuff. and Which, has, again, is normally probably a pretty good thing, yeah. but he, like, processed but, this differently. But I told you, his ego is overactive in his brain. So for him, his ego is telling him... Well, he's brain damaged, Charnel. He is. And he's that, become religiously preoccupied, mm-hmm. is the word that I hear psychiatrists use yep. when I do mental petitions. Yep, exactly. And so, but his his uh, take on it is that God is working through him. So all of his things that he's not supposed to do, like steal, lie, murder, were all works of God. That was all God working through him. Right. Okay. And God works through all of us. Sure does. If if that's your thing, you know, and and it is mine. Yeah. But that's to do the good things. When you do the bad things, that's That's not not God. God. Nope. That's mental illness. It's not God. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. So now I'm going to tell you a very disturbing story. Like you haven't already? I know. (laughs) I thought that was ironic that I put that in my notes. Yeah. Like, and now it's time for a disturbing story. Thanks. I was just thinking this was boring. For 46 minutes. (laughs) Right. It hasn't been disturbing enough. 
Um, This is a story that David will later tell anyone that he meets for the rest of his life, okay? So when David was 10 years old, he was playing in the woods with his eight-year-old best friend, Kevin Labbert. He had a best friend? Labbert. Well, we're going to get to it. Oh, God. He said that they were walking on the trails along Lake Webster. So people from there, I know we have people from there, they're familiar. Um, he said that him and Kevin were jumped by a group of 12-year-old boys who were a lot bigger than them. The boys forced them to take off their clothes. The boys shoved sticks and broomsticks in their anus and made them perform oral sex on them. Um, they beat them over and over, and then they poured gasoline on Kevin's naked body and lit him on fire, killing him. David, however was able to single-handedly fight off this gang of older boys to save himself and even bit off the penis of one of the boys. He is the hero of this story. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there proof to back any of this up? No, that's all it is. It's a story. It never happened. Oh, there's no friend. There's no friend. This whole thing never happened. He never had a friend named Kevin. He never had a friend at all. He was far too selfish and mean and, yes, smelly. Um, He was far too out of shape at 10 years old, weighing nearly 200 pounds to fight anyone. But he materialized in his brain this sexual assault where he survived and his friend died. Oh my God, Charnel, is this an imaginary friend that he had and some weird psychoses? Like, does he believe, you know how some liars really believe that what they're saying is true? he 100% believes, yes, yes. He believes his own stories and every story, Megan, the theme is that he's the hero. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now we're getting into the psychology of it Okay. So now he is, he is David in the David and Goliath story. Yes, he is. There was no death of a boy named Kevin on Lake Webster trails and he was never treated for what would have been extensive injuries by what he describes. Okay? Nor did they find any type of a penis that he no, had bitten off. No. Later in, in his life, collection. No. No. Later in life when asked about this story, Tyra shakes her head and says she does not know what to say because it never happened. She doesn't know where it manifested from. I mean, it manifested from his own fantasies. That's where it manifested from, Tyra. Um, he, again, we go back to that ego, right? He has this unfulfilled need to be someone, to be a hero. And we're going to see this time and time again. He wants his ego's craving being someone important. Well, and so since in his real life he can't get there, he has to create it in his mind. He, I'm also concerned that he glamorized being sexually assaulted. Oh, yes. Well. And he wasn't the one doing the assaulting there. He glamorized being, being sexually, sexually assaulted. assaulted. Yep, 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 yep. Um, so there later, oh, blah, blah, sorry. Already read those things in my notes. Here I am. <laughs> rookie no the first time that welcome to crime curious Charnel. <laughs> it's my first it's time. time it's my first time <laughs> so the first time that tyra heard this story when david was 22 when he was having his first stay at a mental hospital and we're gonna we'll get there okay you know, that that is the first time that like mental health professionals were like whoa wow no wonder why he is having a mental breakdown this is what he suffered and tyra's like huh? no he didn't Right. What are you talking about? David yeah. is a special boy. Yeah. We are learning this. As puberty hits, David. Oh, that can't be good. Oh, no. This is where. Now his we get balls, to a. His little tiny balls are going to fill up with testosterone. His little balls 
move an inch. They drop. They do. Okay. An, an inch. Yep. It's, it's hard to tell, but apparently they do drop. Okay. And, um, he is extremely provocative with the other kids. No one likes him. His hygiene is even worse at this point in time. And he is super mean and sadistic. I'll give you an example. Oh, yay. <laughs> so he would tell people, like, I know where you live. I know where your mom lives. Or I know where you guys sleep. He would tell them what he, in intimate detail, what he's going to do to their siblings, to their animals, to their parents. And he would torture them with this information. And then whenever they, like, he made a little girl cry on the bus and, um, he would just manipulate the story. He would lie and manipulate the story when questioned about any of this. Um, for example, he had finished at one. This is, this is what I'm meaning about the manipulation. He was about 10 years old during this story. If I recall correctly, I didn't put it in my notes, but I want to share it with you. He had done his math homework and it was in his bag. He whips out a piece of paper and he demands this kid on the bus do his math homework. And when the kid wouldn't do his math homework, he told him, he took that opportunity to say, well, if you don't do this, I'm going to break into your house. I'm going to cut your parents up into little pieces. I mean, he went into just gruesome, disgusting detail about how he was going to eat them, about how he was going to assault them and their animals, making the child cry. So then she went, this child went to the bus driver, was like, this is what, you know, happened. And when the bus driver came back to question him about it, he says, none, I didn't do that. And my math homework's done. And he pulls out his finished math homework to say, why would I ask her to do my math homework? My My math homework's done. done. That's the manipulation, the level of manipulation at this age that I'm talking about. It's just horrific. Yes, and and disturbing. But from a psychological standpoint, I can see why a man wanted to write three books about him. No shit. Right? Like, it's that's messed well, This up. is intriguing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and unusual. This He really is. He fits textbookly. <laughs> you like how I make up words? Yeah, I do. In in a lot of different, a lot of different modalities, but also just a, in a lot of different diagnoses. I can't um, believe I've never heard of this guy before, to but be he's honest so, with you. He's every one of them. He is a, a culmination of every mental illness that is basically in that DM, DSM-5. Wow. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Like, take the worst parts about all of the serial killers that we know about who've had some psychological analysis, and he has yeah. a piece of each of them. Yes. Take the worst parts of humanity, and it made him. Well, I mean, we've got sexual abuse expressions in terms of potential cannibalism and statements that he's making. Um, obviously, murder, torture, just wow. Yeah, violence, brutal, brutal. Plus the narcissism, the manipulation, mm-hmm. the lying. Yeah, delusions. Uh, oh, big time. Grandeur, the delusions. delusions of grandeur. And religious preoccupation all on top of it. Yeah. This is an Welcome interesting Welcome to recipe. Crime Curious, where you I bring you. giving me a And of course, this had to be the case that I freaking lost 30 pages of notes Uh, on and had to redo. I'm like, come on. Anyway. Tell me more about David. Whenever he was in trouble, he would always clear himself by saying that he swears on a stack of Bibles that the other kids were making it up and he never said or did anything wrong. And that's how he would get out of trouble with Tyra. Because she 
was religious right. and knew that he oh, was. If you're swearing um, on a stack of Bibles, which right. you're not supposed to do, by the way, no. um, according well. to religious programming, you know. And so, right? Like, that's like a pinky promise, man. Right. My um, 17-year-old son tried to pinky promise me something the other day, and I was like, pinky swear? Really? I like you're, that. You're trying to pinky swear. Like, dude. That pinky swear does not hold any value if you break this. Right. Well, and I was just thinking to myself, like, 10-year-old me is like, I don't know if you want to do that. You could lose a whole pinky. Right. Like, for sure. You're going to look weird with nine fingers, man. Sure are. Like, I'm kind of fond of my pinky. pinky it doesn't do much. Pinky promises mean something different in the mob. I just right. want you to know that today, <laughs> Noah. Right. It was Jacob. Oh, it was Jacob. It was Jacob, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know. Pinkies don't do a whole lot, but they are aesthetically pleasing to the hand. They are. I, so, they you are. know, I would like to keep mine. Um, okay, this other, as if as if I could add even more. Oh, God. I'm gonna. Please do. He became obsessed with Dracula. Oh, and I all, am too. I, I like know, that. All things horror, but not, I actually wrote this for you, but not in an endearing way, because I knew you but were not going like to Megan. say, right, he's going to say that. More like in a research purposes for later way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to impale you and bite you and drink your blood and yep. consume it. And which, you know, lots of blood references and connotations in Christianity too. Of course. Yes. Yes. He's oh t- yes. He's and he's obsessed this. with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All I right. have, I am seeing the picture form in front of my head. Well, let me take you to his 12th birthday. Oh, please do. Um, he was going to go sledding. And pinatas. Oh, yeah. sledding. He was going to go sledding. All right. Cause he's born in January. So he was going to go sledding. He started at the top of the driveway. He was going to sled down towards the garage door. Now this garage door was open just a little bit at the bottom and keep in mind, he is about 180 pounds at this point in time at 12 years old. Okay. Wow. Okay. And so when he's on the sled, he's going he's bigger than I am very fast. Oh yeah. At 12, at 12, at 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going super fast. He can't stop himself. And he gets lodged underneath that metal garage door that was open <laughs> slightly. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm sorry. It is a visual that I painted. Well, I'm just picturing a big kid in a snowsuit, you know, he was, stuck. And he's like, help. You know, right. I picture seeing it on a wholesome television show. Well, it could, <coughs> it could have been on Leave it to Beaver. Yeah. However, if it weren't for the fact that the metal edge at the bottom of the drawer door was like a knife, it was extremely oh, sharp. M- my God. So he nearly slices his entire thigh off. Oh. It was bad. A bad deep cut. It was bad, bad, bad. Parents had to call the ambulance, of course. The EMTs were shocked at the amount of tissue that was exposed. They found him playing with the large flap of skin the whole time. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Once again, he gets in the way of the medical team that is trying to... I'm holding Put my thigh together. Right now. You really are. I know. I know. Because to me, the first response when I see a big, huge thigh flap coming off is to hold it down. Yeah. Press it down. Hold it down. Hold it down. Oh, no, no, <laughs> Don't no. Don't want to see it He come was making apart. that motherfucker talk. That's disgusting, okay. Chanel. I'm so grossed out and right now. And he's poking his hands in the flesh. Uh, okay. Reveling in all of it. Okay. Yeah. He's not crying or feeling pain. No. He is not crying. No, 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 no. Um... He's then like, look at like, I mean, there's blood, there's blood everywhere, right? So he's looking at the blood on his other hand. He's licking it. He's doing Uh all of these things. Just picture the worst. I am. And and that's what happened. You have painted it for me. When they forced him out of the way Uh, of his own wound. Tie his arms down. Yep. And made him lay back. 
he was loudly singing, in the name of Jesus, all things are possible. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that was the only response I had too. Okay. Okay. He spent five weeks in the hospital uh-huh. because of this. Yes. He ended up being permanently disfigured with a super gnarly scar. Okay. Like this was bad. bad. Probably the least of his concerns. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, the thing is, though, nurses, after just a couple of days, they did not want to care for him anymore. Why? <laughs> well, specifically. Why? picking apart his wound. He's like trying to eat the stitches. If he wasn't so fat, he'd lean over and gnaw on it. Like, really? Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Um, enjoy his own ham bone. They should if he put could. A, they should put a cone on his head. <laughs> Like a, a cone. In. That's the only thing that's fucking missing from all of this is a cone. The cone of shame. You bad dog. Yes. No. Stop licking that. Specifically, the reasons why they didn't want to care for him aside from his hygiene and all of the other things we've mentioned over the last hour. Bath in the hospital. Is that he? he's always asking questions about if these nurses had kids. If he found out that they had boy kids, he was particularly interested in that. Asking brazen, intimate questions that he should like, have they hit puberty? Do they masturbate? Like not your, your 12 year old boy being cared for by this nurse. And those are the things that you're saying to her asking about her own son. Do we, can I just throw in, do we think that his parents wouldn't answer those questions. You know, there's some normal curiosity from a 12 year old boy. I know he's not normal, but some uh, neurotypical questions that a 12 year old boy might have about masturbation and isn't normal and those type of things. I I don't think that's what he was doing with this, but I just wonder. I think what creeped them out was the overall tone and the obsession. And he was making it it personal. Mm -hmm. He wasn't like asking a medical question about himself. He was asking about their children. Mm -mm. They they really found him creepy. They did not want to interact with him. Okay. Uh, the other thing they noticed, too, is that he had zero interest in interacting with any of the other kids on the ward either. Like, he was there for five weeks. There were other kids that were there long term as well. He didn't want to talk to any of them okay. at all. Um, and he was demanding and a total nightmare to care for. Okay. I mean, you know, just like how he how he treated his mother is how he treated any other person that was supposed to be providing care. And yeah. they weren't they're not enablers. They weren't gonna put up with that shit. No, where's my Burger King crown? Right. I want to be idolized. So now we're gonna take you to his thirteenth birthday. Okay. All right, where he decided that he was gonna tackle that sled again. No he, shit. He does not hurt himself. Oh but my God. Um, this is where we start to get into and see um, the early uh, criminal behaviors for him. Um, across the street was a ranch style home and it was home to six year old body body. Sorry, Bobby Patterson. And so David goes over, asks Bobby's mother if Bobby would like to go sledding with him. So Bobby's mom was like, oh, like this 13 year old boy has never really hung out with Bobby before, but Bobby really wanted to go sledding like sure. a six year old boy is hearing sledding. And so his mother helps him dress and allows him to go. Now, instead of sledding, he lures Bobby into the woods where just like with Mary, he pushes him down and sits on him. And at this point, he is two, 200 pounds okay. at 13 years old. All right. And he pins Bobby against his sled. And now I'm going to give you a trigger alert for sexual assault. Okay. Okay. So he did force Bobby to perform fellatio on him. 
and he ejaculated into Bobby's mouth. Bobby attempted to get the taste of of it out of of his mouth um, by using the snow, but it wasn't working. And he recalled that uh, David thought this was really funny. Okay. okay. Bobby recalled the grotesque looking scar on his thigh from the sledding incident almost a year ago and said the image of it still haunts him today. Okay. Um, so we, we know about that assault because Bobby was willing to talk. Later though. Right. Um, or yes, did he report this, it right away? No, this was not reported. Yeah. No, this, no, no. Okay. This he is, probably threatened him. Of course. I'm going to uh, kill all your parents. Of the, I'm going to cut where your up ma- your parents. Yes. A hundred percent. This is what he did. And like I said, so Dr. Epsi interviewed Bobby. That's how we know that you, the next time I'm going to fast forward to when he's 15. So you can't tell me, but that between 13 and 15, there were more victims. There absolutely were more victims that were. he sexually assaulted. So now we're at 15 and his father catches him stealing the family car he literally it's the middle of the night the family car engine starts up philip looks outside sees bb nuts in the driver's seat driving out he's like well david just stole the fucking car yes yes driving out of the driveway so philip follows gets in in the other car follows david well david crashed into a fence because he doesn't know how to fucking drive And so when Pil- when Philip when Philip pulled up, <laughs> that's hard. I have the hardest time with Philip today. Philip pulled up. Yeah, when Philip pulled up behind David, David tells him, "Dad, look, someone look what someone did to the car. You, I heard them stealing the car. You, and, and took off chasing them down the street. You did it, David. They, they ran the they rammed the car into the fence. I screamed at them, and they were they got afraid of me." So they ran and then I jumped, um, I, they, they got afraid of me, jumped out of the car and took off running into the field. Wow. So 200, okay. He's 15. At this point, he's over 200 pounds. So you he ran down the chased street. chased down a car that thieves were stealing miles down the road and then scared them away with your sheer voice of telling them to get away from your car. I mean, can you imagine Philip? He's like. No, I watched you take it. I got in the car and followed you where I found you crashed. Correct. Correct. You didn't chase after nothing. But here he is the hero again, Megan. He is the hero. Gotta be the hero. Congratulations, David. Interestingly enough, he never does admit to stealing the car. Even caught. Yeah. Roll tape. Ever, ever in his He's life. He's the guy that you play the video for of them actually committing the crime and they go, mm, I don't know who that is. Right. I don't know. Yes. Um, I actually recently had an investigation like that. Yeah. No, I don't see where you see on that video that I'm kicking that child. Well, but, I mean, like, that's like, you. Is like, that you? No. No. But you're, you're kicking the child. Well, I just don't see it. I don't oh, see that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we Weird. all see things differently. Yes. We? we do all live in our own reality. So dad is at this point in time like well this kid's a liar like oh they know he can yeah never be trusted. I, I think at this point at 15 they're like yep didn't expect him to take any accountability call the police um, dad oh they did not i know later in life when being interviewed by psychiatrists david tells them the story um about stealing uh, uh, about how someone stole and crashed the family car and that leads that him to then say that he was on the track team 
So that's how he was able really? to chase down the car. Wow. He had some um, body dysmorphia. <laughs> because the thing is, is that the psychiatrists are trying to help him see reality. And so they're like, David, you're 225 pounds and you, you say that you chased chase this. And so then he's, well, I was on the track team. That's how I was able to chase. You know, he's got an answer, a manipulation. Of course. And a lie for everything. A fantasy. And which relay were you running in track? Um, yeah, no kidding. What was your time? First of um, all, we all know you were a shot putter if you were even in that's track. That's just it. You know, just exactly. Wow. Exactly. I just Not to say that, you know, larger people can't run track. They certainly do. No, they definitely do, can. David did not. David did not. That's so, correct. What he said, what he told the psychiatrist was that his father told his mother that it was him who stole the car because his dad was always trying to turn his mother against him. What? Yep. So it's his dad's fault. I didn't steal the car, but my dad told my mom that I did because he was always trying to make my mom oh. put my mom against me. Okay. Triangulation, manipulation, denial. Yes. Uh, so I think... I don't have to really say it, but he wasn't on the track team. And I think that we can see how his opinion of his father was manifested in his own reality by the way that his father would not buy into his lies and fantasy life. So he's a victim of his, of his dad because his dad will not um, buy into that. That's where I see all of this going right now. Does he glorify mommy? Mm, no. Okay. He really treats mom like shit all the way to. Okay. I just, yeah, I just didn't know if there was some type of a, um, 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 no electra complex no. some type of a well no that would be a i do feel like what happens is that his because he targets little boys if we haven't seen that already um is that lack of of father you know bonding in his okay. life uh but eh, that's just my speculation so David goes to high school at Bay Path Vocational High School in 1972, weighing 375 pounds. Wow. In a few years, that's over 100 pounds he put on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, if, and uh, he was full of extreme entitlement and arrogance. Needless to say, he did not have any friends, not to mention his hygiene was still an issue, and he was just still an overall dickhead. Right. Yeah. So he would he would do things to make others uncomfortable on purpose, like staring at them without blinking or looking, uh, looking uh, or w- without like looking away with an intense look, like he was gonna kill him. Like yeah, he was I know. Doing Exa- that shit. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm over here smiling because I can picture it. Like, oh yeah, me too. I do feel like I've I've encountered s- kids like that before, yes, right? Yeah, I have. I worked mm-hmm. in juvenile delinquency and in yep. neglect and abuse, where you have severely traumatized kids. Yeah, yeah. you've you've had people look and adults. Yeah. I've had adults oh. try to do that as an intimidation oh my factor. Gosh, so many adults, and I just love to They're smile at, at them. You. Like, hi. You're yeah. not the one in control here. All right. So the next time that he attempts to perpetrate was with two boys named Jimmy and Tommy. David saw the pair riding their bike down the road, and David came out and told them that he would take them to the cemetery to see some cool headstones. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They were younger. Jimmy and Tommy were younger. David is not. No. He's in high school. But um, he... You know, Jimmy and Tommy wanted to go see some cool graves. You know? Yeah, the high schoolers like, hey, man, yeah. you guys want to hop in the car? Let me take you to see some uh, cool gravestones. Luckily, though, Tommy was able to use his sixth sense and know that David was luring them farther and farther into the cemetery and that something was not right. So Tommy convinced Jimmy to turn around and go back to the road 
with him and go home instead of going farther into the cemetery because Jimmy really wanted to go see some headstones. Later in life, David does admit that he planned to rape and kill the two boys at the back of the cemetery. Okay. So those would have been his first murders here that we know of. Honestly, I don't know, Megan. I really don't know. Um, Don't you feel like you would have bragged? I no, no, we'll, we'll get to some things, but no, I think that he, um, I just, it's hard to tell because he's a pathological liar too. Here's why I'm thinking maybe he hasn't at this point. He's, he's lazy. He's, he's not going anywhere. He's in his hometown. There's not really reports. He's not going too far out of mom's site other than his school and stuff. There would have been, should have been, would have been reports of people dead in that area, unexplained murders. There are that we will get to later. Oh, great. And it's not until hindsight that we're like, we can't pin him on this. Oh, this could have been David. Yes, but he was in that area. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Now I'm going to take you to Mrs. DuPont's boys. She was the next door neighbor and she had 10 kids. She opened her front door one day to an envelope that had two of her boys' names on it. She opened it and the message read, meet me in the bank in the Baker's Grove Cemetery at 6 p.m. and something good will happen to you. I will give you $20 a piece and don't tell your mother and father about it. And then he signed his own name, David Brown. So, Mrs. And, and mom's like, what the, the fuck is I, this? Absolutely. Mrs. DuPont. Oh, I will march my way right on over. Oh my God, honey. That's what my notes say. She marched over to their house and gave Tyra what for telling her that her son is disturbed and that he needs, that she needs to keep him away from her kids. And what they didn't do back then is I would have called the law. Yes, exactly. Later, when interviewed about this, David said that he picked this family because they had so many children and they wouldn't miss a couple. Oh, my fucking God. And it would save the family money on not having to feed so many kids. He's doing God's work. A service. A service to this family is what he was going to do. This is ridiculous. Like, wow. When he was 17, he and his mother came home from church to find Philip deceased in his chair. Likely a heart attack. Okay. Mm-hmm. David's a, I like how I just smooth right into that. Just by the dad's way. Yeah, dead. By the way, dad's dead. Okay. Um, David's account of this event, of course, is very different from the rest of the family. So let me take you through David's account. Oh, please do. Okay. It's going to be so much, so entertaining. It will. It, it really for is. a movie script. So David claims that his mother screamed bloody murder. And that David himself had to call the fire department to come get Philip. And they knew who they were because Philip was a volunteer firefighter. Okay. Then he drove his mother. He is 17, by the way. Okay. So he drove his mother following the ambulance to the hospital where they met Lois, his sister, who's now an adult and out of the house. He's the youngest. Yep, He's the Bob and, and Lois are gone out of the house. Lois tried to choke him to death, and so he slapped her hard across the face to stop her. It was chaotic, and Lois was screaming, and then the doctor came out and told them that he had done all that he could do, but Philip was dead. But Philip was dead in his chair when they got home. Yeah. Now for what really took place, according to Tyra and Lois and others interviewed. This seems like the more logical ones. Perhaps, but I'd let y'all, I'll let y'all use your own determination. Okay. I don't like to tell you how to think. I can figure out how to find the truth. Yes. Uh, it's my job. So they walk in after church and Philip was obviously dead and had been for a while because he was a completely different color. Okay. David screamed. 
and screamed chaotically. Not Tyra, because okay. in David's re- recollection, Tyra was screaming. Tyra did call the fire department, not David. Okay. And the fire department does know of the family, but it's because David is constantly pestering them, showing up, annoying them. And they have had to call Tyra several times and say, come get your kid and keep him out of here. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It's a hero. It's the hero complex. He wanted to be a hero. He wanted to be a fireman. Yes. Philip was never a volunteer fighter. Philip was not a volunteer firefighter. And hold on to that hero complex because it comes back up. Oh, honey, does it? It's in my pocket. I can feel it. It's poking. They asked, they asked Tyra um, in Philip, like I said, to keep his ass away from there. So um, he did insist on driving Tyra to the hospital and following the ambulance. But in Tyra's recollection, um, David kept ramming her car into the back of the ambulance carrying his dead father. Oh, my God. Yeah. Lois did eventually meet them at the hospital after Tyra called her. But there was no choking, there was no slapping, and there was no chaos. There also was no doctor that came out and was like, I did everything I could for him, but he's dead. Because he was was clearly already deceased. Yes. Okay, so now let's go to the funeral. Oh, God. Yeah. This is where y'all are going to want to really hold on to your bits because shit gets weird. No. (laughs) Weirder. Weirder. Okay. We are now in an entire different parallel Have I mentioned that we're drinking water and I'm feeling like before we do the next part, I might need something else? I did offer her a water and and said- I've been sick. Yeah, because you've been sick. And then you were like, sure, for now, we'll see how this goes. And I said, by the second case, you'll want something stronger. Okay. Now is probably the time for people to crack one open. Yeah. Or if you're celebrating sobriety, get your- Get your comfort item. Get something. Grab yourself whatever grab a, is your favorite. A, lemonade. You yeah. know. I don't know. If if I was celebrating my sobriety, this would be a strong black cup of coffee kind of moment. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, comfort. I like yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So here we go. At the funeral, David kept playing with his dead father's body. Nope. Obsessively. Nope. Lifting his arms up fucking, and down. Fucking cremate me. Poking at him. People were so disturbed. Like they couldn't even, they couldn't even go over and see Philip. No, he's laying in David, his casket and David's using him like a, like a, like a doll. Yes. He, anything that he, any part of him that he could touch, he did and poke. And Tyra just wanted it to be over with so she could get him out of there. But even worse, he followed the caretaker around and, asking to see where they keep the dead bodies, asking information about like, how do you keep dead bodies from smelling if you don't bury them right away? We bathed um, them, David. You should try it. Yeah, yeah. He also constantly tried to keep sneaking his 375-pound self back to where the bodies were kept to see other dead bodies. Um. Yeah. Okay. So there's that, everyone. Okay. So let's move on, shall we? I can't imagine trying to grieve or even be a guest at that funeral and watching this 17 year old son you know me as a human do you think I'd be able to keep my mouth shut no no and this isn't um I want to point out right now even though we're talking about obviously this man has mental illness 
issues and developmental issues. This is not a diagnosis of like um, Asperger's or autism, you know, severe, anything like that. He is completely functioning. Okay. This is one of those cases where you may have a lot of issues, but it doesn't mean you're not competent. Right. Exactly. And he is a hundred percent competent and that comes up later. He is found completely competent. So I just want to throw out before anybody like throws shade at me of like, well, he could have been this. No, 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 no. I read three books on it. She said from an actual psychiatrist's perspective. Right. So now March 1975, about a year and a half after his father's death, he's a senior in high school. His mom drops him off to work so that then, um, I'm sorry, he drops his mom off to work so that then he could drive her car to school because, of course, he takes precedence. You would think it'd be the other way around. No, I, I totally see this happening. But yep, He's the man of the house he now. He is. He absolutely is. So he gets the car. Um, on this day, eight-year-old, a eight-year-old little boy um, who was hoping for a little bit of independence of his own. Walking to school for the first time by himself. Sure was. God bless it. He had begged his mama to let him go to school alone that day. Um, and these are going to come with trigger alerts now, just so you know. Uh, this would be the first time that he was... Wa- the, the, that he walked to school alone, but it was just a short distance. So his mom kissed his, him goodbye, and off he goes. Shortly after starting his walk, a white station wagon pulled up next to him with a large police officer inside. Police officer. The police officer told him that his mother was hurt really bad and that he needed to get in so that he could take him to her. He just left his mom. Yep. But he's eight. I know. He doesn't. He can't put that together. I know. It makes me want to go home and have conversations again. Right. Every time. Yep. Because David obviously wearing a fake police officer uniform, which is something that we are going to see him do time and time again. Okay. Abducted this eight-year-old boy. Now, luckily, a nosy neighbor saw the whole thing happen. I love nosy neighbors. And called the police. I'm a nosy Finally, neighbor. the first time we've got someone calling the police. Amazing. He is 17 years old, or eight, excuse me, 18 years yes. old at this point in time, but finally someone calls the police. And noticeably dressed up like a policeman in a white station wagon picking up a small child. Mm-hmm. So this is something that a neighbor should notice and think, hmm, this wasn't right. That doesn't look right. David was stupid enough to drive recklessly through the school crosswalk, and the description of the car was also called in with the direction that he was heading on top of the nosy neighbor's 911 call. So in, I'm going to tell you what happened in the car. This is a trigger alert. Okay. It is, it is horrific. Um, this boy does survive, but you know, what happens to him is awful. So in the car, he did, um, start sexually assaulting the boy while driving. Even he was squeezing his testicles to the point of, that the child started to urinate and defecate on David, which this pisses him off. So he begins to choke the child. Then the child begins to vomit from being choked and David loses his grip enough that he does actually vomit all over his mom's station wagon. And so this pisses David off even more because this is another mess. So then he chokes him to the point where blood is coming out of the boy's nose and he keeps like releasing, like he's bringing him to the point of death and then releasing. Okay. Okay. So back and forth toying with him like a cat would a mouse. All right. Thankfully, though, a police officer rolls up, catches it, catches him, and David's immediate response to the police officer is, quote, don't hurt me. I didn't do anything. I'm getting out, end quote. And he gets out of the 
vehicle. I didn't do anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. The boy had several injuries, but is a survivor. David was charged with felony kidnapping, assault and battery, and sexual assault of a minor. Okay. So when questioned about this, sorry, I just had to like figure out what my notes were trying to trigger me to say. Been there. Um, his next excuse or like his description to the, the um, police officers is that the eight-year-old reminded him of some guy who had tried to put sawdust and dust in his mother's engine and that it was a good thing that he had been interrupted because he was going to kill the kid. And then he says it would have been better if they had just let him kill the kid so that he could dump his body in the woods and then he could have went off to school because now he's missed a day of school. Oh, wow. Those the were detachment. his Yeah, those were his interviews with the police, what he said. Mm-hmm. So, and I apologize. Even though he said I didn't do anything. Yep. Right. I I apologize because I said that he was 18 because um, this was like a year, af- a year and a half after his father died. Right. Um, he is actually 17 at this point in time. Oh, so he's not an adult yet. He is not an adult yet because he tells his the police to call his mom because he's a minor and he knows that he has rights. So okay. Tyra was called at 2 p.m. and she came down to the station. There the police told her that her son was the most dangerous person that they had ever met. Really? Yes. I believe that. Tyra didn't want to hear any of it and demanded that he be released into her custody. David told her that he had no idea what the police are talking about and that he must have blacked out. (laughs) Here we go. I black out. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. So then he becomes worse the week following this incident and Tyra was afraid that he was suicidal. So she had him put into a psychiatric hospital, not because of what he did to the eight-year-old boy, but because she was worried that he was going to take his own life. That's when she decides to get him psychiatric help. So I'm not going to make any comments. I know. April 4th, 1975, he was admitted under the care of psychiatrist Jess O. Arnold, MD, who said that David had a loss of consciousness that lasted three hours, although he did not know how this was possible. Of course, he is only going by the recollection of David, who is a, you know, psychotic liar. How can you diagnose something? One was something with no evidence other than what they report. Mm, There's no 1975. I don't know. Ironically, a female um, patient that was on the the, uh, psychiatric ward got into his room and kissed him on the mouth. And he threw a fit claiming he threw a fit claiming that he'd been sexually assaulted. Oh, how's that feel, David? He's a victim. Mm-hmm. somebody kissed you in the mouth and you just like sexually assaulted a young boy to the point where you squeezed his testicles and, and oh yeah i will say this patient was schizophrenic and she happened to get out of her room when she wasn't supposed to and so walks into his room thinks he's someone else kisses him on the mouth and well he, he doesn't like girls he th- exactly he threw such a fit about being sexually assaulted i just i couldn't i couldn't with that anyway long story short under um, you know, whether I agree with it or not, kissing is still not considered a sexual assault in right. the state of Michigan. Right. I don't know if it is in other places, like a, like a forcible kiss. It's an assault. Yes. But yep, it's not, but a, not sexual a sexual assault. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as we're talking kissing on the mouth. Oh, it was. It was on the mouth. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. Um, so 
There is an incredibly long story that I could take you through, but I'm just going to, um, I'm not, I'm just going to wrap it up in a, a small little ball here of understanding, a small ball of small understanding, ball of understanding because of underdeveloped technology at the time. I thought you were going to say testicles again. No, I mean, we do still have that. Yes. Because of underdeveloped testicles at the time. No, um, he died with those underdeveloped testicles. But okay. Because of of the technology of the time. Yeah. And we have since learned better from this. But the brain scans of this time period were incorrectly measuring working parts of the brain. So literally everyone's scan okay. was wrong. Okay. But because of this, what happens is they do a brain scan that looks like his frontal lobe is totally functioning. When in fact, the reverse is true. His frontal lobe was not functioning at all. Oh. Okay. But because of the way that and the author does a really great job of explaining the intricacies of the technology to show that it took them much later to realize what was actually highlighting was, was what's not working in the brain, not what was working in the brain. Okay. All right. See what I mean by nice yes. ball of understanding? So that's what, what was happening. So on his brain scans... It looks like the major areas of his brain are working fine. Are working fine. But it was the opposite. They were not. Yep. So, of course, that's what goes into their reports, right? Oh, he's fine. Yeah. So, later in life, as technology advances and these scans are redone, we, we get this all figured out. All right. So, he is lacking 100% impulse control. He is. He later in life, when the correct scans are done, he has almost no frontal lobe functioning at all. This is a condition called hypofrontality. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So like, yes, this is where impulse control is. Our moral compass lives. Just to name some of those key aspects, this is where the control of our anger and rage live. Okay. Something that he does not have. Um, and, and he has serious rage for young boys. All right. Probably from the fact, I'm sure this guy was mistreated in school. Okay, like I, I am 100% can guarantee it when he went to school in the 60s, he was made fun of, I, I can see. Plus, he doesn't have a good relationship with his father. And then all of the actual physical things that caused brain damage, right? right. It's a culmination for a bunch of fuckery <laughs> is what we have. You called it. <laughs> so, um, so. This isn't fixable, Megan. Nope. There is no firing of the neurons in his frontal lobe. This is not rehabilitatable. Okay. Ever. Okay. Not one of those things they do electroshock therapy no. for? No. I was no. just hoping. Right. Nope. He never gets that. Bummer. Yeah, he does not. Um, because at this point in time, when they probably would have done it, he look, the scans are showing that he's maybe, fine. Maybe a lobotomy. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> he's hospitalized for 18 days where he had um, conveniently, during those 18 days, he didn't have another one of those mysterious blackout episodes, okay? And he was released with a plea deal that allowed him to be released to the care of his mother with one year of supervised probation. First time he's ever been in trouble as a juvenile with exactly. a mental health issue in yep. the 70s. I'm not surprised no, by this. me neither. Is it no. right? No, it no. is not, ladies and gents. Please do not think I'm agreeing with it. Right. But Am this is the reality. No. Yep, this is a reality. So um, he met with his pro probation officer about five times in the course of that year. So when we say pro supervised probation, it was not real supervised. No, okay. No, that's what I call now. We, we call that reporting probation. Yes. Yep. 
just after his high school graduation, when he is still on probation, dressed in a police uniform, he came upon a nine-year-old girl riding her bike. Um, She had very short hair, and it is suspected that he mistook her at first for a boy. Okay. Because I could see the look in your eyes. Yep. Um, Tells her the same story. Your mom's been hurt. I'm going to take you to your mom. And just as soon as he pulled away from her, he trigger alert to child abuse. Um, he slams his fist into her face and face and tells her to shut the fuck up. So he's sexually assaulting her and she also vomits and urines, urinates and defecates in his mother's vehicle, which made him pull over where he violently threw the little girl onto the concrete because he was pissed that there's another mess in his mom's car. At this time, another car drives up beside him, got his license plate number, and went and called the police. There are no cell phones, No, nope, there's not. The nine-year-old girl was badly beaten on the grass. Trigger alert, because I'm going to describe um, some of her injuries. Um, it was described that one of her teeth had been hanging um, like on her lip by a nerve. He punched her in the face. Because uh-huh, of how hard he punched her. So he pulls away when that other call car pulls up she's taken to the hospital by the car that called the police as well and she also is a survivor she was able to give an epic exact description of this man so the police knew exactly who they were dealing with and who the perpetrator was because he's still on probation so they arrive at his home they arrest him this information never makes it back to his probation officer (gasps) No, 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 no. Systems aren't talking to each other. They are not. Systems are not talking. And he once again claims that he blacked out. Now, this girl's mother did not want her to testify for fear of retribution and further trauma. Um, So essentially, he was not sent to prison. He got away with this. And he was released from probation with remarks of how cooperative he had been in May 1976. That sucks. It is awful. Because I know that there's a lot more to come, and I feel like this might have been a spot where it could have been stopped. Can you? Yes, exactly. And also, I'm stopping the episode. I thought you were like premonitioning that I was was feeling like you were going to and my next sentence is end of episode one guys there is there is a lot more I mean this has been bad enough his sexual assaults and attempts at murder on these children have been bad enough but episode two we're going into we're now into his adulthood okay okay and so it is it gets worse. So as you've it always got to does. stay tuned. Those of you who are Patreons who get to listen to this right away, go and um, crack open a, a beer because I might. And then the those of you that aren't Patreons, this is the good time to consider joining. Absolutely. Because you'll get the episode right away. And I feel like if you're going to let Charnel traumatize you, like she's traumatizing me, that you should just do it all at once. <laughs> right. Just get it all over. I like to just like get it all band-aid. over with. Yeah. Rip also, it off. Charnel, rip it off. If you jo- also, if you join patreon you'll have hundreds of episodes to binge of us yeah i mean truly so that could be fun for you too um if you want to continue to traumatize yourself yes yeah voluntary traumatization is a is a real thing and it's okay and i i'm here to support you on your journey you you come to my house every week to do that to yourself i do and i actually find it relaxing says a lot about who we are yeah Uh, i have i have frontal lobe and all right my brain bath that i have for you (laughs) is it's more like just a really good reminder um, 
it's a good brain bath, but it's not like going to make you bust out your pants laughing or oh, anything. Oh, that's okay. Um, it's, it's just more of like a heartfelt, if I could get my computer to work. Um, Which means to me you're not cold reading because I'm not. sometimes you tell me you have something heartfelt and then something dies. I know. I I know. My cold reading skills are really traumatizing sometimes. Um, this, this is the headline. It is from an MSN article. A dirty man with tattoos responds after overhearing a mom mocking him to her child in a grocery store. Okay. After putting in a hard day's work at his, at his construction job, a Vancouver, Washington native named Andy Ross decided to take a trip to the grocery store before heading home. While he was in the store, however, he had an interesting encounter with another mother and her young daughter that was with her. One that he thought he should use to teach everyone a lesson in compassion for others. Okay. So, he explained the story in full detail on his Facebook post, okay? And there's a picture of him. And he does, I mean, he just looks like a construction worker. Like, his face has dirt on it. His clothes aren't tattered or anything. They're just dirty from work, yeah, right? that's probably how I look after I'm out attempting to garden. Right. Yeah, oh, it do, actually it does kind of look like my attempts at anything outdoorsy, really. Yes, <laughs> me too. <laughs> so... He said, kids are naturally naturally curious, and seeing as Ross had just spent a atrocious day working his construction job, he was very dirty, like literal dirt. So it's only natural that a kid would be looking at him and wondering why he was caked in dirt. He said, quote, they ended up in front of me as I was checking out. The little girl still staring, um, her mother told her to stop staring. As they finished and headed towards the door, I hear the mom say quietly to the little girl, this is why you need to stay in school. Oh. Yeah. So he thought this was the perfect time in a Facebook post to educate the mother. He said, first, I happen to be a very educated, dirty man. I not only have a high school diploma, I also have a college degree and many medical certifications. So assuming that I am undereducated because of my appearance is actually quite ignorant in itself. He explains that if she was referring to the many tattoos on his body, then he believes that stigmatization of his tattoos to, to her daughter will suppress her creativity and potentially hinder her imagination. <laughs> he claims that he's proud of the tattoos that his artist named Forrest Bateman put on his body. It's a representation of my pride in my country and my service over multiple combat tours as a special operations medic. Wow. Next, he told them that he was a proud co-owner of an outdoor company and he enjoyed working in construction. That, subsequently, it comes with being dirty some days. I make good money, have benefits, and I'm able to provide for my family without issue. So my appearance reflects nothing to do with my level of intelligence or pursuing a higher level of education. He left them in his Facebook post with, have a good day, and told them to try not to ju judge people before they know anything about them. I love that. I like it. I like him. Yep. I like how he chose to handle that situation. Yes, me too. And and he was his comments, he was saying, you know, don't judge people at first glance. Do what you love and in in do what you love and enjoy, and it never feels like work. And blue coward job. Blue collar jobs are the best jobs. They can pay great and it doesn't always come with a price tag. Education is important, but college doesn't guarantee you anything. Experience, hard work, and dedication allow you to be successful in your career path. 
Don't be an asshole parent who raises their kids to be an asshole. Love it. Yeah. When attempting to insult someone's intelligence and education level, don't allow yourself to be out-educated by a dirty man. And then he says, now I need a shower. <laughs> cool. No, I, um, yeah, I could jump right up on my soapbox here, Charnel, because I mean, obviously I have a doctorate degree. Yeah. Um, school was for me. It yeah. was my thing, but I have always advocated for youth to go into and look at the blue collar trades. I right. mean, no one says you have to go accumulate a ton of debt and get a degree, frankly, to make less than what a lot of people yeah. are. Look at what welders are doing right now. Mm-hmm. You have kids Lineman. out of high school making, a, yeah, mm-hmm. linemen and welders making over 50 grand a year, not in any type of college debt, doing really well for themselves. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah I, I just, I agree. It's not college for isn't for everyone and you no. should only go if it is for you. And you know, I some mean, of the smartest people I know don't have college no, degrees. Right. Yeah. And some of the dumbest people that I know do. do. Yeah. Advanced and ones I, even. Yes. And I wonder how they get through their daily life. You got so, it. So it means nothing. I just, I just want, it was like a good little reminder. I and also I wanted to kind of help him get his dig in there and spread the word. Get the like, message out, buddy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, if you are interested in joining Patreon so that you can get the next episodes, um, right away, the link is in the show notes. Otherwise you can go to patreon.com forward slash crime curious. And we have a website. There's merch on our website. We have um, links to everything on our website, as a matter of fact, too. So check us out there. And until next time, keep it curious. And keep listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.